Warning, this sixth installment of Spark and Review Podcast Bond Marathon will contain adult language, mature situations, Australian TV commercial actors, the return of Spectre, possibly the best Bond narrative throughout the series, overprotective Mafia Don fathers, suspicious allergy clinics located in the Alps, and a tragic event. Listener discretion is advised. Sparkin Motion Picture Review, James Bond, 007, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Sparkin Motion Picture Review. I'm your host Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjour, and what's up? Hey, I'm Greta. And we are back once again for Sparkin's latest event that we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. And what are we talking about? James Bond. Yes, the James Bond... A thon or the Bond Marathon, depending on how we say it. We're still working on the Bondathon or the Bond Marathon, where we go over all the James Bond films leading up towards No Time to Die, the 25th film in the franchise. And if you've been listening to any of our earlier episodes, we've been talking about a bunch of them. We're going in chronological order. So any deviations we will go discuss in the films. If you want to listen to any of our reviews or any of our other podcasts, you can check them out at www.spirakin.com. Yes, where we have our movie review, our manga review, our game review, our con review, our television review, and various other podcasts. Also, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and various other social media sites. Just type in Spirakin, that's S-P-I-R-A-K-E-N, and I guarantee you'll find us one way or the other. And so let's get to it, shall we? Because Oh, and if you want to leave us any comments or concerns or what you think, you can leave comments in the show notes. Remember to follow us. Or you can email me personally at Zan, that's X-A-N, at Spirakin, S-P-I-R-A-K-N, dot com. Or direct message me on Twitter, at Spirakin. I should message you back as soon as I can, I think. And let's get to it, shall we? I'm ready. Yes. So this is the sixth installment of the Bond Marathon. We're talking about a, a very, well, it's a divisive film for various reasons. Uh, a lot of people have issues with it because of how it was made. There were some casting choices that were some issues. And more importantly than that, this was actually supposed to be the fourth Bond movie. But it got pushed back to the <clears throat> fifth Bond movie. And then there was a lawsuit. And then it got pushed back to this one. So chronologically, there are some mistakes in it. Yeah, it, yeah. Couple of mistakes? Couple. Yes. More importantly than that, the big issue, do we get the elephant out of the room? It's a different James Bond. Yes. It's not Sean Connery. Sean the best Con- Bond. Sean Connery retired as of the last film, said he wasn't going to do another James Bond movie, and so they had to find someone to replace him. And they actually went through various actors including Burt Reynolds, which is crazy, but they went through Burt Reynolds. They went through Roger Moore, who they said was a little too young. But I can see Roger Moore. We could definitely see Roger Moore as a James Bond. I mean, it's not like he played James Bond in the future, right? Hi, hi. So they went through and they, they picked this guy who was on a commercial in Australia for Fry's Chocolate Spread, which we saw... Like, the. Who doesn't want chocolate spread? Would you buy from that commercial, honestly? Yeah. That commercial was strange and unusual. I like strange and unusual commercials. But yeah, so they picked a new Bond, someone who was handsome, but not an actor. And he expected this to launch his entire career as a film actor. But I do like that he wasn't like a film actor. So it, was, it wasn't like you, you see your normal TV star and then, or you know Frank Sinatra, and then all of a sudden Frank Sinatra is 007. Like it, it feels more plausible when it's somebody that you don't know. Like, oh yeah, that could be James Bond. It's a no name. However, because of his nature, and a lot of people talk about this, and we'll get into this, he tanked his career because of his decisions that were made after this film. After this film. And during this film, well, but anyway. So this movie was directed by Peter R. Hunt. And this is actually the only James Bond film he directed, but he's been involved in the series since the first film where he was the film editor and he was the second unit director. 
So when the director was hungover, he would be taking shots, and they let him direct this film. And it gets a very, um, has a unique style to it, very 60s, especially since this is 69, it's very weird. Yeah, it's totally 60s. And who produced this movie? Um, what's his name? Broccoli. Yes, Albert R. Broccoli and Harry Saltzman. And their names are back on the marquee. It's not like last movie where they were kind of told, no, you can't be on here. And this is uh, based on on Her Majesty's Secret Service, the Ian Flum novel from 1963. And like we said, this is out of order. So there are some continuity errors, which they didn't decide to fix. And this movie is starring, well, getting our usual crew. Who's back in this movie? Bernard Lee is still M. You have Desmond Llewellyn still is Q, but this time he's only there kind of as support. Like, hey, how you doing? He doesn't give any gadgets or just he's like... But he's still in it. Lois Maxwell is still Miss Moneypenny. And she has a very tragic scene. You feel so bad for her. she's one of my absolute favorites. But she has a hat. She's a beautiful hat. Yes. And James throws his hat at her. Yes. You have, he does that in every movie, though. He throws his hat. But onto the hat rack, and that's how she knows James is there. Like, oh, James! Yes. You have George Baker as Sir Hilary Bray, who is a herald in the London College of Arms, and apparently a heraldry is a whole thing. It's like genealogy to an absurd degree. And also he dubs over the Bond in this movie whenever he's pretending to be Sir Bray. Which is really weird because you don't really notice it. No, but it is brilliant. Like all of a sudden his accent is just thoroughly flawless. That dubbing was done really well. Yes. You have Ilsa Steppet as the henchwoman of the movie. Irma Bunt. And I've got to say, compared to some of the other henchmen as of late, she was really good. She was. She was. But she she beat the hell out of um, Klepp. She's. Like, she was like a, a short, angry... Sturdy German woman. Yes. Like, I think she could take on Oddjob. I think she could beat Oddjob That would be in an a interesting... That would be an interesting one. Or would they become a weird super couple and have, like, weird, insane children? <laughs> anyway, you have Gabrielle Frizzetti as Mark Ange Draco, who's the head of the Union Course... Now, apparently, the Union Course was a actual thing. They are a, uh, how do we put it nicely, um, mob, right? They were a crime. They're a European crime syndicate. They're like supposedly the number one crime syndicate. However, we all know the real number one crime syndicate is Spectre. But he's he's a crime boss, and he's also the father of our of one of our main characters. He's an overprotective father, who's kind of, it's kind of weird. Then you have Telly Savalas, who older listeners will know him for saying one line. Do you know what line? Who loves you, baby? Oh. He was Kojak, and he fits this role so well, but he didn't have a scar, which was weird. But he plays Ernst Stavro Blofeld, the head of Spectre. He is, he's back again. But he might... Be getting a scar? I don't know. No, there's continuity issues with that. Yes, he, he might have, he might not. Also, he is the Comte Balthazar de Belchamp. Now, one thing we'll say is that they mentioned that they met before, but this seems more like this is when they first met. Is it too late or too early to acknowledge that the fourth wall was broken in a very cool way in the beginning scene? Oh, we'll get to that when we get to him. Uh, you have Diana Rigg, a.k.a. Emma Peel from the TV show The Avengers, not to be confused with the MCU Avengers. We're talking about the spy film with uh, John Steed, who had an umbrella with a sword in it. Really cool. She plays Countess Tracy DeVenzio, the daughter of Mark Ange Draco. And then finally, we have the man who would replace James Bond, the heir to the throne, supposedly. Who are we talking about? George Lazenby. Yes, the one actor who only was in one Bond movie, unless we count Peter Sellers, <laughs> who we haven't even talked about that movie, and we're not going to because that movie is a whole other thing. Uh, and George Lazenby doesn't show his face for the first five minutes of the movie. You just see his back, and he looks like it's Sean Connery. He's driving. He's, you know, you see the car, you see the road. There's, you know, the girl cuts him off, and then you see her up ahead 
stopped on the side of the road running to the beach and you see him concerned and she you know looks like she's given up on life you still don't see his face also fun fact you do see the mi6 approved suitcase with the sniper rifle you do well, see- no you don't see the suitcase you see the glove box and the sniper rifle is in the glove box yes but it's the, it's the one that he uses so it's the visual mi6 brand so there is some gadgets in there mm-hmm. he sees she's drowning he goes to save her then two guys come to attack him and then Smash, she grab and then patented um what is it called when they fast forward the oh uh fast forwarding <laughs> well uh, well there you go there's the technical term they speed ahead in the um fight scene to make the fight look like it's happening faster and you wouldn't necessarily know it unless you weren't looking at the waves no you totally because it looks really like they're they're fast forward like they're rushing rushing it looks really awkward um, but then she jacks his car. She totally steals his car. She steals his car after he saves her and gets beat up by the guys. But he, she steals his car only to get back to her car, and then she gets in her which, car, which is way. like a block away. It's like that's so stupid. It's like I'm gonna just drive. Well, like there. a teenager, like all I'm gonna steal, I'm gonna steal your your skateboard to get to the end of the block to get to my skateboard. So there. Yeah, and then you just see James Bond. You see it's George Lazenby. He looks at the screen and says, "This didn't happen to the other fellow." Yeah, so I like that he broke the the thing, like the the wall. But it's the only time that that happens. But it's like he acknowledges that he's not the first James Bond. So from here, he gets into bumping into the scroll at a casino again. He ends up hooking up with her because there's always a casino. But first. He ends up uh, going to her room and he gets assaulted by a bunch of guys, including this big, scary black guy that that beats him up. But Eve wins, goes to his hotel room. She's waiting in his hotel room. Says, "What was the deal with those guys in your room?" I don't know what you're talking about. There was no guys in my room. And he buys it into. I will say this: the hotel has his bedroom is on the balcony. You say it's not. I say the bedroom is on the balcony because there's a bed. No, there's a bed that's on the balcony, but it's it's like a it's a large chaise lounge and he like so he can like lounge on that and rest there but that's not his bed that is really weird it's like it felt like that was his bedroom because the phone was next to that that was what was weird but they end up having a sexy time so he's already being bond and being sexy you missed some of the best parts like when they he goes to the casino and he's playing baccarat well baccarat or however they say it I like the paddle thing when they flip over the cards and take the cards. But she walks in and it's like, oh, I recognize you. And she recognizes him and he's all spiffy in his tux. And she's in this beautiful white beaded gown. Like hats off to the wardrobe department for this Bond film because she looked spectacular. Bond, on the other hand, looks like he was wearing hobo clothes. His clothes in this film were not up to snuff. They were no, they bad. Were, they were okay. It wasn't as good as it should have been, but it, I'm not going to say that it was they bad. Looked I don't like think it was bad. His, one of his shirts looked like the floral pattern of the table. It was a, It looked like a napkin. It was the same pattern as a napkin. That's kind of weird. But that was... But that was part was in like spain and european guys are different yeah so this does take place throughout europe it's in england it's in spain it's in switzerland so it goes all over the place so after a lovely night she actually ghosts him he gets up he calls the whole thing was he saved her at the casino because she was out of money and the casino wasn't going to loan her anymore so he gave like what twenty thousand or something like that. two hundred thousand pounds i thought it was twenty thousand anyway so yeah, it's 10000 and 10000 Anyway, so she always pays her debts. That's why she slept with... It was in his room and was sleeping with him. But when he gets up the next morning, the two big, huge poker checks were in his drawer. And he goes, oh, she always pays her debts. No, first he called and said, hey, I'd like to have... Um, oh, he ordered breakfast for two. He ordered breakfast too, And then they say, oh, he was hungry. could you call uh, Countess Teresa... De Vinzo's room. He's like, oh, she checked out like five minutes ago. And he's like, what? So as he's leaving, a bunch of goons are waiting for him. And he just goes with them. And he just starts kind of flirting with the guy next to him, which is kind of awkward. Well, they pulled a gun out. They're like... No, it's a knife. They have a knife on him. No, the, they, they point at him and they're like, hey, let's go. 
And the guy with the newspaper lowers the newspaper, and it's a gun. They end up taking him to their headquarters. He beats them up in a really, actually a good fight scene. And then he goes to the room to meet the boss. And the boss is like, I didn't think you'd show up if I invited you in a normal way. Turns out that this is Mark Ange Drago, the head of the European Crime Syndicate, the Union Course. And he has a proposition, because he is the father of Tracy, Teresa. We're going to call her Tracy from now on. Actually, do we know any Teresas? We can call her Tracy from now on. That's weird. We know Teresas. We have we know two Teresas. True. Anyway, off topic. So back to the thing. So he says, I don't care that last night you had a thing. My thing is that my wife, she's a widow. Things have not been going well for her. And she needs a man to tell her what to do. My daughter, not my wife. Sorry, my daughter. That'd be creepy. <laughs> if he's dying. But so anyway, so he, it's his daughter... He tells... My daughter, my sister, my daughter, my sister. He explains it, and then eventually he says, Look, I want you to be that man. Be with her, marry her, and I'll give you one million gold pounds. He's like, but I'm but I'm a bachelor. I'm this. When you're watching him do that, it's very awkward. It's like... He's not convincing as like, No, I'm a bachelor. It's like, no. He's not convincing as a happy bachelor. No, he's kind of depressed. But he agrees to court... Tracy if Drago reveals the whereabouts of Blofeld who he admits there was an incident that occurred a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. So this takes place a couple of months after the last film even though stuff doesn't make sense. Anyway, he goes back to London. He goes and M is calls him in the office because he's berating him saying you have not found anything on the Spectre Blofeld situation so... I'm taking you off the case. He's like, but give me a give me a week. I have an answer. There's a way I could do this. He's like, no, you're off the case. So what does Bond do? He goes back out to Many Penny and says, Many Penny, take a memo. And he drafts his resignation. So what does Many Penny do? She gives it to M, M and James goes into his office. So they've already broken the fourth wall, and James says this didn't happen to the other guy. And now he's in his office, and what starts playing? He's packing up his things. No, but what starts playing? Underneath the mango tree, because in his drawer, he pulls out the... Because this shows... this The opening of this movie, the opening credits, we'll get to in a bit, shows all the old Bond movies, which is why it's confusing. But he pulls out Honey Rider's knife that was strapped around her leg. In the iconic bikini with the mango tree song. But he smiles, he puts it in his box that... it's the cardboard box he, company that every every no, place no, no. has. He, he pulled out a briefcase. It's an old school briefcase. Oh, I thought it was a cardboard box. But no, anyway. he opens it. It flips open. It's big, and he He's, he pulls puts out. Nut- he starts like packing up his desk. So anyway, so he, he is he has um, Red Grant's uh, wrist watch with the uh, Garrett wire from. Uh, yeah, he has memorabilia from every previous Bond film. Not from Goldfinger. <laughs> He had something from Goldfinger. No, no, no. Someone was humming Goldfinger in something the background. Like yeah. But he didn't have... So he had something from every movie up until now. And then um, M pulls him back in his office. So he goes back into the office and he goes, your request was approved. And so then he comes back to Many... And he hands, he hands the memo and goes back to Many, Pen- Many Penny. And he goes, well... And she goes, read the memo. And it was a request for his two-week vacation. So he thanks Money Penny, saying thank you because she saved his job, basically, because I think he was regretting putting in his notice. And then as soon as he leaves the office, M goes on the little two-way walkie-talkie with Money Penny and says, "Thank you, Money Penny," because he know they all they both know what she did. She was sneaky, that sneaky little secretary. But when he said take a memo, at that point you saw her like business mode like this is serious like okay i can do that so because of this he ends up going to visit draco's house for his birthday and a whirlwind romance with tracy begins and then eventually they found that there's information about blofeld at a law firm in switzerland so he ends up going to this law firm and in a very awkward way he breaks into this guy's office when he's on lunch break gets a computer that'll break the computer that is bigger than my desk. So it's... 
It's a computer from the, it's a very small computer for that time. Um the side the uh what is it's it? It's a huge trunk, like a chest that is the computer, but that it's a but it was also a scanner. It would be the size of very of Basically a, it's what your cell phone today would be able to do for you. However, in no, was this the 60s or is this the 70s? 60s. So in the 60s, this was highly compact and very high tech for the time. So he opens, so he opens this, gets this huge, it's cool how he gets it. His friend is in a construction site, ends up bringing the thing to him. It's a huge suitcase. And when you say his friend, you mean his... Henchman. His, his proposed father-in-law? His father-in-law's henchman. But he the ends up... mob? However, doesn't, uh, doesn't matter. He gets the thing, goes in there, connects it to a safe, and it takes a half hour to unlock the safe, unlike in the other movies where he unlocks it in two minutes so as, as he's sitting there he goes this is a high tech safe it's not it's an old school safe you gotta drill did through I it did i mention that it was also a scanner yes it is also a scanner but as he's waiting he ends up looking through the guy's stuff and finds a playboy magazine and in a pretty awkward scene he just sits there and starts looking at a playboy magazine turns it and opens the centerfold but first he's like looking at the the, the articles and like this is <laughs> are there really articles in that uh, they were. I don't know if there's a Playboy magazine anymore. I think it's all digital. But it was. It just. It's really a weird scene, and just it doesn't seem like something James Bond would do. I think he'd be. Of course, above, it's something James Bond would. He's do. He's above that. No, he's not. Either way, he discovers that uh, Blofeld is talking to the London College of Arms, and he's trying to claim a title. Uh, the Count Balthazar de Blochamp, and so. He goes, tells M the situation, and they get approval to pretend to be uh, the genealogist, Sir Hilary Bray, or Hilly. And what's cute is um, M pretends like, but you're supposed to be on vacation. Like, yeah, but I wasn't really. I was still continuing to look. It just fell into my lap. Yes. However, from here it goes into him pretending to be Bray and going to meet Blofeld, who's now created this whole secret base in the Swiss Alps that's supposed to be a clinical allergy research institute. And he's picked up by his servant, Irma Bunt, who is, as we said, a man, woman, German, angry German lady, who's, who acts nice, but she's very... Rah! Very German. Very German. Like, if she was um, Hitler's personal bodyguard, he'd still be alive today. Yeah. He's, like, I would buy her more than Klepp, like we said. But anyway, so this whole institute, the deal is that there are 12 women there, all who their names are very stupid because they're literally their racial designation. Like, one is Asian, one is Scandinavian. The only two are... And the Asian one's from Asia. The Scandinavian one's from Scandinavia. The... The, the Mexican one is from Mexico. The it's, American one's from, like, the Midwest. No, the, Me- the American has a real name, which is stupid. However... There's an Indian girl from India. So these girls are there, and they have hypnotherapy, and one of them, Ruby, is talking to him. She's from Lanchester. And her whole thing is she was allergic to chickens, and now she's not allergic to chickens, which that's a really weird allergy, but whatever. And she's flirting with Hilly, but Hilly is being all talking about genealogy and boring things. He's trying to stay in character with who he's supposed to be pretending to be. Lies. He ends up seducing her, seducing another two girls. He's sleeping with multiple women. But he discovers that at night, after they go to bed, they get like this sleep hypnosis thing that hypnotizes them and it's planting suggestions. And we discover they're being brainwashed to be carrier, like split, like splinter cell, uh, sleeper cell agents who are going to release a biological virus into the world. It sucks, but it really is well. Also, Blofeld first doesn't recognize him when Bond meets Blofeld. They're talking and Blofeld is like... Mr. Hill, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's, he's like, I am the, I am the... I will become the count. Here's my proof. Here's my evidence. Here is the genetic parts. I don't have uh, earlobes, which they don't have. And he's going into how he's can do it. And then... I mean, we're rushing through this recap, but it's a whole thing. 
but Bond slips somewhere and kind of shows his hand, and then he knows it's James Bond, and then they're going to kill him, but first they're going to go through a convoluted method of, I'm going to lock you into this room, which I'm is a gear to, room. And then I'm going to tell you my brilliant plan. Because he's crazy. Well, Bond escapes, meets Tracy, who's there for... Does he explain why she's there? Or just She's there skiing. Yes, so she's at this town skiing because reasons. They escape, and Bond actually says that he loves Tracy and proposes to her. Yep. In a very interesting way. And he says, I won't have sex until we're married after the new year, but it's not the new year yet. <laughs> yeah, no, he, st- he stays true to his James Bondness. So the bad guys find them. They try to escape via skiing, which the beginning was they escaped via skiing. And at one point, it went... One crazy, uh, not one crazy suburb, um, better off dead where he's skating with, skiing with one ski. Because he's tough. He ends up killing a guy to get his ski, which is just kind of crazy. But an avalanche occurs, Tracy's captured, Bond is in trouble. Bond calls, um, MI6. MI6 says they can't do anything because Blofeld is going to hold the world at ransom until he gets, um, what is it? He wants his, his, uh, title. And he wants to be, am, uh, what the hell is amnesty? Uh, he wants to be forgiven for all past crimes, so he gets amnesty from that. And that's kind of a dumb thing. He just wants, so he wants all his crimes gone, and he wants a title. That's it. But uh, James Bond ends up going to his father-in-law, or future father-in-law, and says, Hey, hey we need to do this thing. Let's go. And then in a very kind of cool scene, they end up attacking his base while Blofeld is trying to flirt with Tracy and get her to marry him because that's actually another way he can become a count. Because she's a countess. Yes. And at first, he's flirting with her and she's like, no, no, no. But then she says yes and he's actually getting interested. She does the um, Princess Jasmine thing where she realizes her prince is coming to save her. So she has to then... Pretend to be on board with what the bad guy is saying so that she can um, distract him enough for the hero to come in and save the day. But when Blofeld finds out, it's not the, I'm going to push you away. No, he tells his minion, kill her. Yep. And then he runs off like a little sissy. And then Bond goes after him and they have a huge climactic fight in a bobsled. In, no, you said that Tube. wrong. You said that wrong. He has a huge collected, um Climactic fight. Sorry. Climactic fight in a bobsled. Two bobsleds. <laughs> I want to go bobsledding so much while watching this movie. It needs to be a thing. Can we go bobsledding? We could, like... we could, but super dangerous. <laughs> and this is Swiss house bobsledding, so it's going super fast, so you could break your neck doing well, they it. Also, they also like sped up the, the film just a yeah. little bit. But speaking of splitting your neck, you could get you could branch off har 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 so they're fighting on this and it's actually kind of a cool not it's not all right it's not as bad as thunderball's water fight it's not that bad but it's not as bad as thunderball's water fight it's 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 a it's a it's a okay fight but it's not great though they're fighting going back and forth back and forth ramming each other and then they're both on the same bob so they're fighting a grenade is there then blows up and then this happens and then it ends up where blofeld gets stuck on a tree it doesn't look like he broke his neck. It just kind of like ah. He ah. got stuck in his head. Got stuck in a branch, and it looked it looked really fake. He's paralyzed. No, he's just got a, a broken like collarbone. He injured yeah, he his broke his neck. He is an injured neck because he's still moving. He's fine in the in the movie. No, he's not. Oh. He ends up in a wheelchair. Well, that's no, not in this one. Yeah, at the end of this one. He's no, in a wheelchair. No, he's in the car. He's driving the car. He's not in a wheelchair. He's driving the car. He's uh, not Blofeld. No, I swear. He's in a motorized wheelchair. No, the, that, the motorized wheelchair is later on. Oh, it's this one, he's... You're right, you're right, you're right. I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Anyway, so, long story short, uh, the, phil- the facility is destroyed. The virus has been stopped. Everything's going to be good. And then Bond and Tracy get married in Portugal. Poor many Penny. And she's so sad. It looks really good. And actually, Q's like, listen, Bond, I know you screw up everything, but you're going to do fine with this. 
And it looks like actually James Bond will have a happy ending. He's going to drive off the sunset in the Aston Martin. Things are good. And as they're talking. With ta- his wife, whom he loves. And they're talking about how they have all the time in the world, which is actually the crest for the, the Bond family. Which is, that's their crest. And it's good. And he says, What can I get you, my love? He's like, Well, how about three boys, three girls to start? And it's like, Well, you know what? I haven't given you flowers yet. And the car is covered in yeah, flowers. Yeah, first of all, that's a lot of kids. So he ends up going, taking the flowers off the car because they look like it's selling, it's like covered in flowers. And as they're going, you see a car pull up and you see it's Blofeld driving and Irma Blunt in the back. And she ends up shooting at Bond. And Bond says, oh, damn it, it's Blofeld. And he runs to the car and he's going to get in it and chase them down. And then he sees, then you see Tracy slumped back and the bullet hole is right where her face would have been. She died. And it ends with just someone coming to help Bond. Yeah, the police come, and he's he says, no, she's okay. She's just sleeping. We have all the time in the world. And it's super tragic. It's like the... It's probably the saddest ending in a Bond movie. Ever. And so we've gone over the plot of this movie, and the plot is actually pretty engaging. And the thing is that this, as a story, is really cool. And it's only one real story. It's not like some of the Bond films where there's like story A and then you become a ninja and story B and then oh it ties it all together. Like it's one cohesive story. There's there's different layers to it. Bond actually falls in love. And it, this would have been a re- I think this would have been really good if Connery had done it or someone else had done it. George Lazenby, he just couldn't carry it. He was trying to be kind of campy at some points, serious at other points, and it just comes out really disjointed. I thought Lazenby was actually okay. He's just, he got used to Sean Connery, and then all of a sudden, now it's not Sean Connery. He's not, but from allegedly, he was a huge diva on the set. Huge diva. Didn't want to redo takes, this, that. And then when the movie was done, when they, when they were at the premiere, he had a full beard. Because he said, I'm not doing another James Bond movie. They offered him seven pictures. He said, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And he became, for ten years, like, cinematic poison. No one would touch him. That's so bizarre. Apparently he was horrific to work with. He did two movies, which you could see on YouTube, which they're awful. Bizarre. And just, his reasoning was, oh, I don't want to be... It wasn't like he didn't want to be typecast. It was just... He didn't like it. The very awkward and strange situation. You talked about, you read the other actors in the film, their their interviews, and also on the Blu-ray, there's commentary. It's kind of like he was not a good like behind the scenes. He was horrific. But a lot of other Bonds loved him. Uh, Timothy Dalton thought he was great. Roger Moore thought he was great. Sean Connery said, "You're a good Bond." But also, Sean Connery was kind of like. I'm out of here. You know, you're covering for me. Good job, I think. So, he wasn't a terrible Bond. I don't think he was the best Bond. No. I think that this, as a story, written as a story, this is great because it has a great opening, great closing, and it sets you up for more with uh, a revenge story for the next film, which actually was the case for the next film. They wanted to make it into a revenge story where Bond is trying to capture... Blofeld, and that's all it is. It's just a revenge story, but because Lazenby left, they had to rewrite the whole thing. Because the original opening for the next film, whatever it was, was going to be Tracy dying. That was supposed to be the opening for the next film, but they changed it. And that's kind of a shame. She died on her wedding day. The wedding was supposed to happen in the next movie. However, let's get into the other parts about it. So, I thought some of the costumes were absolutely. I'm just having my girl moment. I thought, I thought that the glamour was really there for me with the countess as the Bond girl. I thought James's, you know, Sean Connery wore a tux better, personally than Lazenby. Um, His regular clothing looked like a couch. Let's be honest. He looked no, like I mean, he was, was wearing. Couch. It was funky patterns and stuff like that. But he was dressed for a bullfight. And he was awkwardly matching his future potential father-in-law. But then, you know, 
Tracy was wearing like a bolero and stuff. Like, like that. There were some moments that were definitely questionable, but I thought that the Bond women were very beautiful. And even though the the girls in the clinic were really stereotypical, I thought that they were all dressed really beautifully for their area. Like the Indian girl was wearing the beautiful Indian wrap dress. And, you know, I, I thought I thought that the wardrobes for the women were really well done. Bond looked a little interesting, but... He was wearing a kilt and pretending to be someone else, so that makes sense. Yeah, but that was like a costume. However, at the end of the movie, his outfit was very similar in scheme to the Thunderball outfit. It was orange, because apparently orange is a good guy now. Yeah, well, there you go. Um... Blofeld's design was kind of was it's the Spectre design just it was just very drab and it wasn't really like evil layer. I thought Austin Powers did it better. Yeah, for this Blofeld, I think that this Blofeld was not as good as Rick Donald Pleasant. I think Donald Pleasant was more menacing, even though it's Kojak, and he was very like, "Here's my plan. You're screwed, Bond." Like that was menacing. Yeah, but he wasn't like enigmatic and just I don't know. It's like Donald Pleasant was more. Like, you were intimidated and scared by him. This one was a little more, I want to be your friend, but then, you know, if you don't listen to me, maybe something bad will happen. And not in a crazy way. Not in a, you can be my friend until you don't like me and then I'll kill you. Like, in a weird way, if that makes sense. It was very unusual. So, there were a lot of negatives. Bond girl, Tracy's a great Bond girl. Uh, Since she was... Emma Peel, she knows how to play a secret agent, and she did a great job doing it. Um, the other girls I found kind of annoying. The 12 Angels of Death, they were a little annoying. Especially the one girl had, like, that super high-pitched... I felt like they were appropriate for the time period. Like, for, like, the 60s. Like, go-go women. Maybe. Progressive. Okay, I could see that. Um... Now, the other part we didn't talk about is the actual music of the film. And this is probably considered... It's considered one of the best scores of the series because it's a really tight score. The opening scene with uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, it shows all the old Bonds. And it is a transition for... here's and all of the Bond women. Here is the old James Bond. We're moving forward to the new James Bond. It was a good passing the torch. However, it just didn't work out that way. It really didn't. So the opening was well done, I think. Very obsessed with the hourglass. They had the hourglass Well, because the, the whole thing was we have all the time in the world. But what was cool about the hourglass is um, they had each Bond film kind of fall through the sands of time. So starting with the first one with Honey Rider and progressing forward, they, have, they had a little like homage to each original movie. Which I thought was really tastefully done. It was tastefully done. It also fit the the opening does fit the whole movie and has that kind of like you could listen to it while skiing. I thought that was cool. There were two other songs that were really well done for the film, and one which was the official like you could say is the theme for the movie. It was the love song, but it is, and that's "We Have All the Time in the World" by Burt Bacharach, mm-hmm. and that just plays throughout the entire movie. It's constantly in the background. You hear the that. You also hear a couple other songs, but the, it, it was a tight movie, I think, for the soundtrack. The soundtrack was tight. Now. In a good way. Now, the Bond vehicles. Mm, I mean, you had uh, the Mercury Cougar and you had a Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. But that's it. That's That was kind of the problem also is that they said that once he said he wasn't going to do a sequel, they didn't really market any of the cool things like gadgets or cars. So they're like, eh, we'll just kind of. Be lazy with it. Hmm. <laughs> Which was lame. Now, this movie made a lot less than You Only Live Twice. It only made $82 million instead of 110 so it was a big drop. And a lot of retros... But it still made $82 million. And a lot of people do still like consider this a really good movie. Some say it's the one of the best Bond films out there. I'm going to say that this was probably... It's currently, despite all the positives for it, which are just got a great story, great soundtrack, the song is up there. The soundtrack's up there. And also, the Bond Girl, definitely up there. Mm-hmm. However, i got to put this at the bottom of our list right now. This is probably the worst Bond because 
it just feels so disjointed. I actually like it better than um, the water scene one. Thunderball? Thunderball. You know the name that has a title that doesn't match the major fight scene? Yes. Well, well, Thunderball, there were some things that just boosted it up a little more. I will say, though, the ending does bring this up. So probably this is still going to be in the top ten. Oh, yeah, totally. But, you know, we're only a few into it. It, it, I think it's going to be in the top ten. I just think it's not going to be the best out there so far. And I, I mean, so, so far, I, this one I'm going to give, bar from a friend, don't return unless offered. Well, this one, I don't even remember what the drink was. It was uh, brandy with water? Would you say, what was the other score, the um, don't turn it off if it's on in the background? You, you mean uh, worth watching once? Uh, worth watching once or stream it? Or are you talking about uh, have it on the background surfing the internet for porn? Have it on the background surfing the internet for shoes. You think that bad? Okay. I traded it. I Did you like what I did there? I changed it a little bit, my rating, because it's more yeah. PG. So actually, yeah, I would put this worth watching once. It's better... It's 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 on par with Thunderball. I'll, I reserve the right to change it, but it's pretty... It's like... Not, I don't feel the need to watch it again and again and again and again and again. Yeah, it does not have a replayability. It's worth watching once, and then... Some people say, oh, it's worth watching again and again and again. I don't find this one really... Like, Goldfinger, I'll watch a bunch of times. Uh, Dr. No, I'll watch a bunch of times. But, you like, know. if you're going to... Mar- if this is going to show on television and marathon through, this one is going to play at, like... 1.30 a.m. Yeah. And you're going to have it on, but you might fall asleep. But it's yeah. okay, because you still technically watched it, so you've completed it. Yeah. And as villains go, this version of Blofeld, where would you put it? I would put him low. Really, really low. Above uh, Klep? Klep. The not villain in uh, in uh, from Russia with Love. I think he's more imposing than him, and he has a good fight scene, and he has the best. Yeah, I would put him above Klepp. He has a better. He ha- he gets back at Bond in a way which will never come back. And from. what is the German girl's name? Ida. Irma Blunt, Irma Blunt is a hot is high up for hench. She's person. high up for henchman for me. She's just below odd job. Yeah, but th- but this version of Blofeld is going to go down. This is not a good Blofeld. Mm-mm. No, he's not. I mean, and I love Telly Savalas. But this is one of my favorite Bond girls. Yeah. So, my favorite Bond girl so far in the franchise. I will say, though, this is the best ending in a Bond film so far. I wanted to cry. It, but it, it just, it strives for Bond to be, gives him something mm. and just, it's a good ending, I will say. And leads you on to get revenge. It gives him a driving force. Well, I, so if you disagree with us, email us, zan at spyarkin.com, or leave comments below, or message us at Spark. And What did you guys think? Uh, the random question for this episode is going to probably, no, is going to be, did you think this is an overrated movie or an underrated movie? Because some people think this is this is one of the better Bond movies. Do you think this is an overrated Bond movie or an underrated Bond movie? What do you think about George Lazenby's film? Let us know. I would add that her white sequined dress in the casino near the beginning of the movie. Is this the best Bond girl outfit so far? What about Sylvie Trent? She was beautiful. And she had the better opening in in the casino. Yeah, but I still like this dress better. Yeah. So as it as and fine before I forget, lastly, our Bond rating. Where do we put him? Lazenby is below Sean Connery, currently number two. Definitely. We'll find out next time. Well, actually, next time we have an interesting film because we're we'll be talking about Diamonds Are Forever with the return of a certain actor who said he was never coming back. Yay! I guess they, they drove a buttload of money, like a truck full of money to his house. And please! Well, we'll talk more about that. a couple nice tuxes and said, just put it on. Well, we'll see. Uh, with that in mind, hope you guys enjoyed. Thanks. I'm your host, Zan. 
I'm Greta. We're gone, so I'll catch you guys next time and see you later. Keep watching movies. of action. Bigger, better, different. It's got to be when he's around. Vistas of sweeping splendor. Different. It must be so if he's in the picture. Fabulous beauties, all of them dolls, every one different. They've got to be when he's around. My name's Bond, James Bond. The new Bond. Suppose I were to kill you for a thrill. The different 007. Different bond from the same statement. Diana Rigg has the Comtessa, the different bond woman. This one's got class and style. The villains with a difference. Telly Savalas as Blofeld. A new destructive force. With the difference, if my demands are not met, 
I shall proceed with the systematic extinction of all species of cereals and livestock all over the world. Gabriel Fazzetti as Draco, a tough mafia daddy with a problem child. Papa, where's James? Don't worry, he'll join us soon. But we can't leave him. He doesn't need your help. I will not go without you. You have to. On the day you marry her, I'll give you a personal dowry of one million pounds. Oh, oh. Double O seven times more exciting than your wildest dreams. The creative skills of the cinema's master filmmakers. We'll hit the Russia. If you think you know your bond, think again. This one's different. This one's got heart. I love you. I know I'll never find another girl like you. Can you marry me? Time enough for life to unfold. things love has in store. We have all the love. If that's all we have, you will find we need nothing more. That was a quick conference. How do you expect a girl to keep herself alluring? Take a memo, please, Money Penny. Freddie James. Sir, I have the honor to request you will accept. My resignation, effective forthwith. Resignation from what? Her Majesty's Secret Service. And kindly presented that monument in there. James Bond here. He wants you, James. 